Hello explorers and welcome to the e-commerce nation. My name is Freddie Soria and I am explorer of e-commerce nation. In this podcast I take you behind the scenes of e-commerce and like every week you will discover exclusive news, inspiring stories and top personalities. I hope you comfortably settled for this trip to the heart of the e-commerce nation. Three, two, one, take off. So, hello everyone. Uh, here we are, one new podcast uh, this week. Uh, today with we're with uh, Martin Swinney. Uh, he is the CEO of uh, Ravelin Technology uh, or Ravelin. Uh, hi, Martin. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Yes, very well, thank you. So, um, yeah, today uh, we've uh, last week it was Merchants Payments Ecosystem, uh, where I think we we were both present. That's right, isn't yeah, it, Martin? That's right. It was great. <laughs> Didn't you enjoy it? It was a great event uh, where we had a, a lovely time. Um, many, many new information, many new, really interesting keynotes from from all of the speakers. And um, yeah, uh, a bit the idea for today is to talk a bit more uh, where you can introduce to our community uh, a bit more on, on Ravelin, um, talk about PSPs, fraud detection, prevention, uh, future of payments, um, just take some some good time uh, having a nice chat. So um, just to give a quick, uh, some, some quick um, facts, um, Ravelin went through a funding round, Series B, September 2018. Um, and uh, Martin's going to be able to quickly introduce us to um, the company has to say. So Martin, in your hands. Thanks very much. So uh, Revelin is a fraud detection and prevention company that works primarily with merchants and payment gateways uh, in e-commerce. So we are, we are actors who defend merchants from bad actors and who optimize to accept as many real customers and uh, many payments as possible. So really we started this company, uh, which is about four and a half years ago now, because we used to be merchants. Uh, we used to understand the frustrations of uh, fast growing companies, spending lots of money on marketing, uh, striving for optimizing conversion, and then to be frustrated at the last mile because either there was a fraudster who cost us lots of money or we were not making good decisions about which customers should be allowed through and we were making mistakes and turning away real customers. So the whole ethos of this company is based around we should be allowing as many real people and as few fake people or fraudsters as possible to use the system or service. And generally we think that should be something that merchants don't have to worry about too much and that should be outsourced to a, a company like ours who can help make really educated decisions about the risk of each customer so that we can help you grow your business as fast as possible whilst minimizing the downsides of fraud, which is unfortunately an ever-present danger with, uh, with, with shopping online. So most merchants have... Um, they use a payment gateway uh, and that payment gateway or PSP will probably offer some level of fraud detection sort of out of the box. Uh, now the problem with with what you get out of the box is that it's not often very good and it's quite generic. So really what we offer is to go a, another level or another few levels down into the data to understand as much as we possibly can about the real people who are using your websites or apps and making really educated decisions about who should be allowed who shouldn't be allowed. Uh, 
And we operate internationally, which means that we have a range of merchants who, who work in different industries, verticals and geographies. And that means that in some industries and some geographies, there isn't a huge amount of fraud, but there is a frustration with the tools available. So if you're operating in, in Germany or the Nordics, then you probably don't have a huge amount of credit card fraud, but you may have other issues in your customer base. But then if you operate in, uh, let's say, Spain or the UK, then maybe credit card fraud is much more prevalent as in France. And then if you are a truly international merchant, uh, let's say you operate in Brazil or Peru, then your fraud is clearly uh, a lot higher and you're more exposed in those countries. So we offer one central place to optimize this for your business and to really take the headache away from you by giving you control over the outcomes. So we really optimize for acceptance and uh, and minimizing fraud. Yeah, so um, a bit like uh, linked to that. With that said, uh, what has changed for PSPs from like a fraud detection and prevention perspective? Well, I think the PSPs have two main challenges. The first is that um, some regulations have come out recently. I'm not sure whether your listeners have been following along with this. It's quite a sort of dry piece of European legislation. It's called PSD2, Payment Services Directive. Yep. And the PSD2 uh, has two big aims. The first is to kind of open up banking and payments to make it more uh, accessible for consumers. And that's incredibly laudable. The second is to increase security online and decrease fraud by requiring that um, that people authenticate whenever they pay online. So if we're familiar with the, the process of using uh, card payments online, it's relatively easy to do. I mean, I accept that typing in a 16-digit number isn't always that easy, but on the whole, consumers <laughs> understand it. Uh, so you type in your number, you put in your billing address, you hit pay and off you go. And sometimes, depending on the merchant, you might use 3D Secure. And 3D Secure is an extra step where the, the issuing bank, which is the bank that's provided the card for the consumer to use, is asking you to prove that you are who you say you are. And actually, merchants have a choice about whether they turn this on or not. If they turn it on, they don't have any liability for fraud that happens. It's the issuer who pays. But if they turn it on across the board, then the consequences for their conversion through their checkout process is dramatic. So the, the figures really vary by country. But you can expect somewhere around 20% of users will just not be able to complete their checkout experience under 3D Secure. And that's just totally unacceptable, right? So as a merchant, mm -hmm. you're, you're stuck between this, this kind of awful position of having fraud and liability, and that's a very emotional, expensive experience, or conversion impact, which any right-minded person would, uh, would veer away from very quickly. So we offer a third way, which is that you can use our results to dynamically select which transactions to use 3D Secure on or not. But under this new regulatory regime, the European uh, Commission and then the European Banking Association have pushed forward the proposal that many more transactions, and originally it was all transactions, need to use 3D Secure. So if we are looking at this with our merchant hats on, I mean, that's, that's pretty terrible for online commerce. Nobody wants to make it harder to buy and pay online. To buy, yeah. And, and I think that's true. just a bit crazy. So when the regulators put forward the first couple of drafts of this piece of legislation, the industry submitted lots of responses, and that was people in payments and merchants and gateways, uh, all of whom who ha I think had a collective heart attack because they realized that this was going to be incredibly damaging for the GDP of the internet. And uh, the commission came back with some proposals, and what they said was, 
we stick to our guns about wanting there to be greater security and less fraud online. But what we're going to do is we're going to we're grant this thing called an exemption. And an exemption means, essentially, you don't have to use 3D Secure on every transaction if you're really good at fraud detection and you know that this person is probably a genuine customer to a really high degree of confidence. So if you're a PSP in the loosest sense, whether that's a gateway or an acquirer or a collection of those different entities, what that means is you can offer this, this exemption, this get out to your merchants, but it means that you as a PSP have to be really good at fraud detection in a way that you haven't had to until now. Because as we know today, it's up to the merchant if they turn on 3D Secure or not, and if they don't, it's their problem when there's fraud. So that's the big yeah. change for PSPs and merchants. And I think that uh, it will basically depend on um, how uh, regulation and legislation keep going over the next couple of years. But for the moment, that's what we <laughs> we have. Um, as well, linked to this um, and talking about the future, uh, how do you see the the future of payments from from a fraud perspective? Uh, let's say if if you could, uh, what would be your ideal world, or, or what are you see? What do you see it's going to happen? Well, I mean, it's always dangerous crystal ball gazing, but uh, I'll, I'll give it a crack anyway. So I think there's a few interesting things on the horizon. So I mentioned that with with PSD2, there were two major components. There's the open banking side. I didn't call it open banking, but that's what it is called. And then there's a the security side. So open banking basically says uh, it should be possible to move money from one bank account to another uh, without needing to go over uh, the card rails, that is to use Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and the others. Hmm. Uh, so actually, they've introduced a new class of payments, uh, which don't have a great name yet, but you can think of as push payments or direct bank-to-bank -bank transfers that merchants can use and would have lower fees and, and almost no fraud attached. So I think that's a big, interesting future direction for online payments. I think the big open questions for that are around the, the user experience and usability of that system as it stands. It relies on, on essentially a similar system to ideal payments in the, in the Netherlands, but an even worse user experience. So the merchant provides a website, the consumer presses pay with my bank or however we brand it, and uh, they then have to essentially log into their internet banking uh, uh, and approve that payment. And at the moment, it mm. works. We, I've seen some really compelling demos. Uh, but you know, having spoken about the conversion impact of 3D Secure, which is you know, not that complicated, but people still manage to forget their passwords or to, uh, to yeah. just lose interest. <laughs> Open banking is like another level, an order of magnitude of greater impact on on the user journey. But there are lots of advantages. And actually, we'll see that you know, this is just the first incarnation. It will improve much more over time if we can get the incentive structure for the issuing banks to improve that user interface experience. Um, and actually, I think that is really interesting. But as a generalization beyond the introduction of new payment methods, I'd say there are two other observations. The first is the dominance of the card networks. These guys are pros. They keep making sure that they are at the forefront of any payments innovation. They are the center of it. So that's really interesting to mm -hmm. see. And secondly, fraudsters are never going to go away. Whichever payment mechanism you use, whichever uh, open banking or cards or PayPal or so forth or ideal, you know, there's always fraud yeah. there. And, and yes, it's of different orders of magnitude in each case, but you know, fraudsters will find a way. So as merchants, it's also important to remember that along the way, you'll probably end up carrying the can for that fraud and you need to be prepared for it.
Hmm. Uh, with this, for example, uh, what methodology are you guys putting into practice to to help uh, prevent fraud? Because uh, I know from from what I've seen, uh, you're working with uh, some of the top camp- top companies or top merchants. Uh, what methodologies uh, do you put on a on a practice or um, as to help them um, prevent uh, prevent fraud? Well, I think it, it, let's let's hold off on the technologies and the methodologies first, but let's just ask the question about how would we spot fraudsters generally? If we were to just start with a, a clean slate, how would we do that? And I think let's imagine we're a payment gateway. When you, as a merchant, take a payment through a payment gateway, you you send a little bit of data. You say, here's a card. This is the order. This is the billing address, shipping address. Please charge the card for me. And then you get a decline or an accept through at the end. And so for the payment gateway, it's really difficult to understand uh, who is behind the order and are they a fraudster. So that's why they have a big limitation at the gateway level. So let's think about how we might solve that in a sort of ideal platonic way. We might want to know more about who the customer is. We We might want to know what they did as they went through the buying process, how they arrived on your website, what they did once they got there, what they chose to buy, how they paid for it, how they related to other customers, uh, and what they did afterwards. So if we take that principle of of how you might catch fraudsters in the act and discriminate between a real customer and a fraudster, the basic principle is we need more data. We need to go deeper into the buying process to understand hmm. better about what's happening. So let's let's say that we do that. We want to take a feed of activity in a very light, light way, know what that person does, and to be able to make a decision before the payment happens about whether they're likely to be a fraudster or a good customer. And the way that we do that is we take a feed of data through uh, a JavaScript SDK that we provide for the web or for Android or, or application or iPhone, or yeah. So we oh, take yeah. a feed of data, then we have an API behind the scenes, and we sort of hoover up a little bit of data about each customer and, and build a picture behind the scenes. And then what we're doing is two main things, or three, let's say three. So the first is, is this person operating within my terms of business? You know, these are terms of service, mm. the boundary conditions of what is acceptable. So your business has decided that you, know, you can't try and spend more than 10,000 euros in a day. You can't use more than 30 cards. You can't buy from North Korea because it's in sanctions. So these are the sort of terms of service. So the, the second layer is, does this customer fit any patterns that we've seen before? Do they look or feel or sound like a fraudster in the way that they've used the system? And then thirdly, even if they don't look like a fraudster because they're exhibiting new behavior, is that new behavior just really different from everything I've seen and therefore just a bit suspicious? And then if we think about how we actually do that, um, I mean, you could do it by hand. You actually could. You could sit down and you could write code or rules or something that describes what old behavior looked like and what new, interesting, different behavior might look like. Uh, But the the thing is, you would just be very quickly out of date. So you would have to constantly be changing it and you would have to do it relentlessly around the clock. You would have to never sleep and never get it wrong. And you would have to react to every single update that happens on the system. And do you know what? I I just don't think anyone's (laughs) even set up to do that, particularly at scale when you're dealing with thousands, tens of thousands, millions Mm, of orders uh, in every week or month. So the answer behind the scenes is that this is very much a, a statistical problem it's a it's a it's a computer-based problem and the answer in the modern age is that it's a machine learning problem 
But actually, I don't think we should be too hung up on the machine learning side of things. I think that's a really essential, important component of what we do. But the methodology, the data that we use, and the approach we take is all about understanding better who is trying to use your website, what are they doing, how do they look, and what might they be doing different from other people. And that's how we get the results we deliver. Yeah, I was reading this this morning, uh, something pretty much related to that, that it was if merchants were able to share the information on, on fraudster in the network, one another, uh, then the, the it would lower the number of uh, fraudster operating. So uh, the thing is, uh, right, like nowadays, there's so many laws and regulations around like data sharing and everything, which means it has loads of legal implications, which are uh, do not help merchants reduce um, fraud uh, fraudsters or, or help prevent fraud, and I think this is one way, as you said, um, which is uh, which is working quite well. That is the the companies specialized in in fraud prevention getting to know more about the the user uh, and the the buying process, as to say. So I think this uh, this does go into the the right way. Um, also, uh, okay. And then um, within this same question, uh, we um, the initial question was uh, as well into the technology on how you guys, uh, what methodology do, do you use to put in practice these things? So um, from what I've um, from what I've been reading on on your website and everything, it's through uh, machine learning and then um, full full featured uh, engine rules, uh, graph networks. Uh, maybe you can give us a bit more of detail or a bit more information on that. Yeah, absolutely. So we have some of the most advanced machine learning models. Uh, in the world running on our system to constantly evaluate every single order and update our understanding of the world as we receive new information. And there's nothing as good as machine learning for, for doing that in real time and to do it with a, a really high degree of accuracy in either direction. Uh, so as well as that, we also recognize that you know, the, in historically, fraud has been done by setting rules, it's something you might do in your own system or in a third party or in your gateways to say, if the customer is coming from Nigeria and is using a Nigerian card and is trying to spend over 300 pounds, then we should probably decline this order. So that's the sort of rules you might use and we support them as well. But we do caution that they are a source of many false positives uh, because that means that real Nigerians can't use your website to buy things over 300 pounds, which is perfectly legitimate and common. <laughs> so we, we do rules yeah. machine learning we do cross-merchant data sharing, so in the way that you described. Uh, and actually, we mentioned the recent regulations about how that has changed data sharing. And of course, that's something that we're constantly talking about. The nice thing about the GDPR in particular is that there are provisions for, uh, for sensible and measured data sharing or um, use of data in certain scenarios to protect merchants in their legitimate interest of pursuing the the service that they're providing or the goods they're providing. So you can do this sort of thing, uh, but we have, obviously that's a, an evolving situation with different regulations mm. around the world and something that all merchants should be aware of. Okay, uh, and my last question, uh, is there anything new that uh, you guys at Ravelin are working on at the moment? Uh, are you, so I know sometimes it depends on new regulations, new features. Uh, so um, do you have anything you can uh, share with our community up front? Or, or... Yeah, so there's two big things that we're doing. I think the first is about um, how payment gateways can react to these changes in regulations. So we've, we've 
recently launched our new offering for payment gateways so that they can plug in, take advantage of all of our fantastic technology and, and offer the benefits to their portfolio of merchants. And that, that's just fantastic. Uh, the second is that one of the new technologies that's available uh, and is just sort of coming to market in the, the next few months is uh, it's called 3D Secure 2. So I've spoken about that trade-off that merchants have to make between conversion and uh, and fraud and how 3D Secure, and in, when I say that, I mean 3D Secure 1, uh, has made that a very unpalatable choice. Now, 3D Secure 2 is much improved in that it offers a better user experience and offers uh, a greater chance of the authentication happening automatically rather than the customer having to actually log in themselves. And so we're working on providing 3D Secure 2 to merchants. Uh, the interesting thing about it is that it's, it's an improvement on 3D Secure 1, but it's, it doesn't fix all the problems. In fact, it introduces other problems that didn't exist in 3D Secure 1. So mm. really what we're doing is keeping the merchant absolutely central in this equation and making sure that merchants can stay in control of their user experience, that they can differentiate against other merchants in the market or in their industry by offering the best user experience possible by making sure that the real customers can, can check out smoothly and efficiently with, with as little friction as possible, but that the fraudster is frustrated in his efforts and, and is ultimately unable to make that purchase. So mm. a variety of tools, but all pointed in the same direction, which is allowing merchants to accept as many real customers as they possibly can. Fantastic. Uh, just I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, any exhibitions coming where people might be able to find you that you know from the top of your head? <laughs> oh, put me on the spot. I actually don't. I think we can find out and we'll provide you a list to put in. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, so anyway, in the meantime, if anyone's got any questions, they can uh, go and visit Ravelin.com, uh, the website, and get in touch uh um with them and uh they will be able to help you so i'd just like to thank you for your time uh martin it's been a pleasure having you this week on our podcast and um to everyone else uh just uh see you next week and have a lovely end of week thank you so much. bye you've enjoyed this podcast i'll see you next week for the discovery of new adventures feel free to subscribe to the e-commerce explorers podcast on your favorite music platform and share on social media if you've enjoyed this episode see you soon for new adventures and don't forget exploration continues on e-commerce nation